This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. My name is Kevin Sherrington. I am joined. You had to check your phone to uh, make well, sure your name was Kevin Sherrington. I, I actually was got, that? I, when you get an email from the boss, you know, you always look at that right away. Oh, my gosh. Maybe, maybe I'm not doing <laughs> no, this podcast maybe, after yeah. all. Yeah, maybe I don't have to do this segment. Let me check. <laughs> David, you you take over. That's David, <laughs> David Moore here in the studio with me. We're going to talk a little bit of Cowboys. Um, actually, we're going to talk a lot about it. Probably about a lot, Cowboys. hopefully. I'm yeah. Not. And we're going to talk about uh, what's going on in the free agent market this week. Uh, I believe on, is it Friday that uh, is the... Uh... Well, actually, Wednesday afternoon at 3 okay. is when it actually goes into effect. They, they are now, people have, it's, this has been dug, dubbed the legal tampering period. I, I just view it more like a soft opening. Mm-hmm. Um, you go ahead, you can, teams can talk to agents, get agreements. Nothing can be signed until Wednesday at 3 o'clock Dallas time. Uh, the players can't meet with their new teams or talk to anyone until Wednesday at 3 p.m. But uh, all of the heavy hitters usually get their contracts in place and then just sign that uh, immediately and go. They know what they want. They've done their due diligence during the combine and in the off season And uh, – these are just formalities by and large, but nothing is binding until Wednesday at three. Okay. So um, there's been a lot of speculation going around about Earl Thomas. And of course we've written about that. I think I've Stoked I per- by you. Yes. yes. I think I personally have written about it. I don't I, know, 12 times, 13 <laughs> times, something like that. Uh, and, uh, but there's people out there also saying there's no way this is going to happen. He's, he, they're not going to sign. They've got too much money tied up in the contracts. They're going to renegotiate for their own people. And there won't be anything left for Earl, who wants to be the highest paid free safety in the market. Yeah. So, And the other side is other, other, those people are also saying that other teams are better positioned financially to give Earl Thomas that money than Dallas. So Dallas will not be a serious player in getting him. So tell us the update as of Tuesday morning. Uh, of what this, the the safety market is, and again, all this can change very quickly. Yeah, but uh, you know, wrote going into this on, on Monday that despite what the narrative was, that the Cowboys would be serious, would make a serious push for Earl Thomas. Um, again, because of the finances around the league, a lot of people thought that would not be the case, especially when Landon Collins jumped out and got that. Uh, six-year, $84 million deal with $45 million guaranteed from Washington. Uh, at that point, everyone went, see, there is no way in the world Earl Thomas is going to come here. That is so far out of what the Cowboys are willing to offer. They're not going to be a serious contender. Well, since then, you've seen about five or six other safeties go off the market, and none of them are Earl Thomas. 
and you're looking at teams that needed a safety in free agency who have filled that position with players who aren't as good as Earl Thomas but are younger and weren't looking to be the highest paid safety in the market. So now suddenly Green Bay is out of the mix. They, they signed a safety. Denver is out of the mix. Um, you know, Houston didn't appear to be in the mix. They lost their two starting safeties. And then there was a sense last night that it was going to be a bidding war between Dallas and uh, Houston. And in that case, Dallas would not win because, one, Houston has a little more money to play with. And, two, they would be more motivated because they lost two safeties. They have two safety openings. Well, early Tuesday morning, they, they, today, this morning, they reached an agreement with Taj Gibson for safety and indicated that well, Earl Thomas just wants too much. Uh, you know, we're fine here. We have other safeties in place. So now is Houston really there? So, so the, the number of, of teams that have a strong drive to acquire Earl Thomas is dwindling. So, you know, I, I think this is one because Earl Thomas has been selective too, because he does have high, uh, expectations on, on what to be paid. But three, he has also been very vocal about he wants to play for Dallas. And I don't know that that has helped his marketability going into this period. You know, I, I think some teams were probably, well, we're intrigued by him. But you know what? We don't want to break the bank for him. And we don't want him to really just use us as a negotiating point for Dallas to come in and get him. So can we go younger and, and pay less money here? Well, yeah, let's go with Taj Gibson. Let's go with Kareem Jackson, who went from Houston to Denver, who needed a safety. So Denver's another team that needed a safety that's now out of the market after getting Jackson. So uh, it's pretty interesting here. I, I think you've seen the market adjust here. Uh, he's clearly the best player at his position who is still out there who hasn't reached an agreement. And now suddenly you don't have as many teams and, and – uh, so I, I think it's this has played out to this point as well as Dallas could have hoped, and um, that there's a chance here. But but look, what you had from a financial standpoint on Monday going into this before this soft opening began, Eric Berry in Kansas City averaged twelve million a year, was the highest paid safety. Two safeties got contracts on Monday that give an average of fourteen million a year. Those Landon Collins. And there was Tyrone Matthew, who went from Houston uh, and moved over to Kansas City. Right. So now suddenly people are going, well, see, there's no way Dallas has a shot because now Earl Thomas wants more than $14 million a year at least, and they're not going to do that. But will he get that now, given what the market is? So it, this, is, uh, this is interesting. I think Dallas felt all along – I think the consensus was there's no way they were going to get Earl because he's going to want too much money and there are too many teams out there with money that can pay him and all it takes is one to get a deal done. I think Dallas was under the assumption that, you know what, he wants to come here. We're going to pay him a good contract, but we're not going to negotiate against ourselves and let's just let this play out for 24, 48 hours. And the first 24 hours – uh, they've been justified in allowing it to play out this way. But but we'll, we'll see. Like you said, one team can come in. If he if a team is willing to come in and give him an average of $14 million a year, he I don't think he'll be in Dallas. I, I just don't see that scenario. But if you get something where you get a two- or three-year deal uh, that, that pays him, you know, well, you could still do 
14, depending on how you structure it and, and, and what he would be willing to accept in it. So we'll, we'll see how it unfolds here. But, but I think Dallas wanted to make a strong push for him. Uh, going into day two of this soft opening, they're still in a position to make a strong push for him. Do you think that Earl, we know that Earl last year held out in Seattle uh, and trying to force a trade, and that didn't work. And so then he started the season. It was great until he broke his leg. Yeah. Uh, had two interceptions, two interceptions against, against Dallas. Cowboys. Broke his leg the next week. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and again, Dallas had offered a second-round pick at that point. They were right. never going to go up to a first-round pick which is a good thing since they needed it later right. in the season to get yeah, Amari they Cooper. Uh, they would not have gotten Amari Cooper if they would have made the trade for Earl Thomas. They wouldn't right. have had the wherewithal to do it. But I would say Dallas was, had that number two on the table, and they were convinced that after Dallas and Seattle played, that Dallas was going to keep that number two on the table and that Seattle would come off of its request for a one at some point and they would be able to get that deal done. Now, he broke his leg in the next week in week four against Arizona – so that scenario never unfolded to its conclusion to see if Dallas would have been correct in that assessment. But they were willing up to give a number two last year to acquire him with the understanding that, well, then we're going to have to negotiate uh, to keep him, and we don't want to give up a two and just let him go after eight or nine games. So. Right, and that's the same thing with the Amari Cooper trade. You sure. don't trade a first-round draft no. pick to a guy without uh, knowing that you're going to re-sign him. So, of course, they could – as you said, if they had made that trade, I don't believe they would have made the, the Mari Cooper trade. They would not have, no. No, they wouldn't have given up their first and their second round picks. So um, it, it makes it a little different. But what I was going to ask is, do you think that it's possible that Earl, because of what he did in the past, and because Earl is a very different kind of guy, that, hey, if I don't get the money I want right now, I'll just wait. And I'll wait all summer long to see what I can he get. He's a different sort of guy, yeah. But, but the problem is when you're that level of player – and looking for that level of financial commitment, if you don't get it early in free agency, yeah, you're not going to recoup it as free agency. It's, yeah. it's not like, look, it's not like, because at that point you can say, well, I'm, I'm not going to pl- dive in here until I get what I deserve. But if another team loses a safety in training camp, they're probably not in position because they've had their entire roster in place by and large then mm-hmm. to give – Earl Thomas the money he wants because they used it throughout the rest of free agency in the draft. Yeah. They just don't have the money left to do it. So um, he can only do it to a point. And, uh, you know, I, I would find it – I don't know that Earl Thomas waiting until next week or the end of March – I don't think the market comes back to a player like that. I, I think those players either get – what we have seen historically in free agency is those players get the money up front right away or they're forced to take less than what they were going to get. And, and that so often is what happens. You, you get the first wave of players who get the money, and then the, the free agents who were left out of that who thought they were going to get that money don't sign right away because they're going, well, I'll just wait and I'll get that money. But that money doesn't come to them because right. if it doesn't come right away, it's not coming. And so then then they have to wait another week or two for their agents to convince them and for them to get into the right headspace that, okay, I'm not going to strike you know, the mother load like I thought I was going to. So what is realistic for me now? Where do I want to play? And so that's why traditionally what you see, you see this flurry in the first you know, three days of free agency then you don't really see much for about five or six days. And then sometimes you actually see like 
the third and fourth tier guys sign and trickle in. And then it circles back and gets to that second level. They start to sign later in the month when they finally acknowledge that I'm not going to get what I'm going to get, yeah. Yeah. what I thought I was going to get. Where should I go and what can I, what's my best deal left now? So, I, that, again, it's a long winded way of saying I don't see Earl Thomas doing that. I, I think Earl Thomas uh, is also, he knows what he wants, but I think he's also a shrewd enough businessman to go, look, why. You know, why prolong this here? Uh, unless he has some strong indications that, look, we're waiting on another move. Yeah. If this happens, then we'll swing back in and do it. So don't sign anywhere. But uh, I, I would expect Earl Thomas to be resolved in the next 48 hours. So who would be the other suitors for Earl? Well, like I said, Houston. But now Houston last night after they lost their second starting safety, there were the word coming out of Houston was that they were they were exploring Earl Thomas very strongly. Then they signed Taj Gibson this morning, and the word filtering out there and what they're letting people know is that well, Earl Thomas just wanted too much. Uh, we took Taj Gibson. We're fine. We're moving on. So um, you know, Green Bay was another one. Uh, they went out and they made their signing uh, last night. Denver was another one. They made they got Kareem Jackson. So um, I'm not really sure. You know, I mean, again, he can help any team, but then you get into does Earl Thomas want to go to those teams? Right. You know, and a lot of it was made of Richard Sherman said, "Oh, you know, well, we'll recruit you. We want you in you know San Francisco. Right. That makes a lot of sense." Well, as of last night, late last night. Uh, word was the 49ers had not contacted Earl Thomas. Now, if the guy's really your primary target, you probably would have contacted him. Maybe that sounds reasonable, doesn't it? Yeah. So, so, so I think it's. I think the Dallas. All the people who said there is no way in the world that that Dallas will get Earl Thomas. I think right now at this moment at ten twenty four on Tuesday morning, have to concede that. Well, there's a, you know, maybe I won't go as strong as a probability because I never thought they would get him. But there's a possibility now that this could work out. Now, we've talked a lot about Earl's mindset. Uh, let, let me pose something here about the Cowboys. All right, we, we know that they, they've got to try to get people signed. Of course, a lot of this is their own, you know, uh, self-incurred, you know. Sure. We, you know, you don't have to do something this year with, with Dak or with Zeke. You know, you can yeah. – you, there are things you can do to let things play out uh, for a little while longer. Uh, I, I would say that if this season – and I think that Jerry's all in now. I think that Jerry believes that we're – with the guys we're going to add this offseason, with the guys coming back, you know, with, with Travis Frederick coming back, and if we're healthy, we should be Super Bowl contenders. Mm -hmm. And if if you believe that and you believe and, – and, and, you're, and you're short at safety with Jeff Heath playing there. I don't think there's any question about that. He's a fine backup. don't think he's a starting safety. Uh, and if Earl Thomas was the guy who could have put you over the top, I think that Jerry, who already is on a, let's say, a tenuous basis with this fan base. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say reality, but okay. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, how does he defend that? How does he say, you know what, Earl, Earl was right there. He was right there for you to get, and you said no. 
Uh, and he could have put you because I do believe that Earl could put them over the top on defense. I think this defense, what as long like, as they sign Demarcus Lawrence and get him in here fairly quickly well, after doing Earl Thomas, they, yeah. they, there's no question they got to do that too. That's right. I, I think that's the number one need on this defense is to, is to re-sign uh, Demarcus Lawrence mm-hmm. uh, to a long-term deal. I think he's he's earned that, and I think he's worth it. And he's the best player on that defense. I think where you're going with your point is why why wouldn't you g- jump in, get Earl Thomas, get Demarcus Lawrence done. And then go to Dak and say, "Look, we still want to get this done, but we got all these people in place. Let's, you know, right. let's structure this." So, but, and I think that is what they're looking at doing here. They're 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 exploring whether they can get Earl Thomas done, and whether or not they can, then that determines the order and how quickly they proceed with their other financial issues and right. and, and what else they do in in free agent. And like I said, I, look, you know. Um, their emphasis has been to sign their own in free agency for really six or seven years. And right. and you go back, and the last big money they gave in free agency was 2012 when they signed Brandon Carr to a five-year, $50.1 million deal. Now, Brandon Carr is a very good player, but what was the talk the entire time he was here? He is not worth that contract. No. And so – Dallas has been very judicious in free agency ever since and has taken a different approach and has saved the money for their own. All of that being said, you know, they went in on Sammy Watkins last year and were in the neighborhood of willing to give him a three-year, $48 million deal. Um, Which is just uh, – I'm, I'm just stunned by that. Yeah. Now, now again, they don't get credit for it because he went to Kansas City, and right. part of it was that – he wanted, you know, one, he liked their offensive system, which is certainly a valid reason to do it. But two, it was, you know what, the the spotlight shines a little too brightly there. I'm more comfortable here where I can just go about and do my job and all right. this. Well, one, Earl Thomas wants the spotlight. Yeah. He wants it shiny on him. Right. Uh, he wants to be with a team like Dallas. He knows it's a system fit, uh, just like you know, what that what Kansas City does was a fit for, for Sammy Watkins. So it's a system fit. He craves the spotlight and wants to come here. So my point has been, even though Earl Thomas is older and is will be 30 before organized team activities start, um, they consider him an exceptional athlete and – really kind of like a, a generational player at the position. He's so, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and so Dallas is willing to pay more for him than I think some other teams would. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And As, I, as we've seen early, because look, if you're just going strictly on talent and impact, Earl Thomas would have been signed by now. Yeah. But but you have to take the age into account. You have to take – and actually, he's had, he's had two broken legs here over the last four years. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, you could argue he hadn't played a lot, and so then he's fresher. <laughs> he's fresher. Than he would yeah. be. He's a fresh 30 years old. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I got in this discussion a couple of times, one of the many times I wrote about Earl, uh, from people saying that, do you really think the, that it's worth it to, to, to do this with a guy who will be 30 years old next year? By and large, no. Yes. But there are exceptions. I, I think there are. And Dallas considers Earl Thomas an exception. I think he is, too. You know, I just think that uh, he, he's in, uh, been in really good shape. He's a hard worker. He's really smart. He's really well prepared. Everything about him. Uh, look, this is a little bit like if you get two really good years out of Earl, This is and, and yeah. he, if he gets you to a Super Bowl, this is a little bit like 
when the Angels traded for Albert Pool, when they signed Albert Pujols to that awful ten-year deal, mm-hmm. they were yeah. not expecting Albert to be great for ten years. They were expecting Albert to be great for five years, and if he gets us to the World Series, great. Well, that didn't work out. So, so you could you could question the the, the that, but what 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 I would say here is that that you. You need to go over the top a little bit here in this this one time. I, I don't think it. I think the Cowboys have done a great job, as you said. Uh, but when they signed Brandon Carr, that was a typical Cowboys kind of free agent signing of that era and before that, where you gave. Well, that was a reaction. You didn't have anyone in the secondary. You'd been burned in the secondary, right. and the you know, while you hadn't won the division, you'd gone eight and eight all those years. It was yeah, there were and there was a reaction to where you were, and you had no corners that you they, felt good about. And they did a terrible job of drafting corners back then yes. too. They were yeah. go, gone through years. Now you have some young guys you feel good about, and yeah. and who better than have someone like Earl Thomas back there to coordinate that secondary on the field once a play is underway and to and to kind of clean up some young mistakes and also show guys you know this is how you do it plus he's a guy he's a turnover machine you know yeah. i don't know you in that cow in that game against the the seahawks i don't know how much credit you give earl for the interceptions but he always just seems to be around the ball you know something happens and he get he ends up with the ball so well, there are a lot of guys around the ball but when he's around the ball he usually gets it yeah absolutely you know? absolutely well you know that's the funny thing when earl was at texas he reminded me a little bit of, uh, oh gosh, I'm having a senior moment here. The Cowboys' safety, Thomas Everett from Dangerfield. Oh, okay. When yeah. he played at Baylor, Baylor, uh, yeah. an undersized safety uh, who just made plays all the time. Now Earl ended up being a much better player than than Everett was, although Everett was pretty good. Uh, in that you 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 watch him in college, and and you there's too much production here not to know this guy's going to be a good player. And and that's certainly what he turned out to be, and even even better than that. I had no idea he'd be a Hall of Famer, you know, which is which is what I think he is. So uh, I just think there's a lot to like about that in the situation, with, especially when you have a young defense, a lot of young players back there. To have a guy with that pedigree, uh, I just think that would be it would be an unbelievable influence on them. And and, and going forward, I think that he's gonna he's gonna impact those guys. If he comes here for the rest of their careers, they're gonna they're gonna remember the things that that he brought to the table, and how valuable would that be? You know, so mm-hmm. I just think there's a and lot. The Cowboys to go. believe that too, but then it's like, what number? Yeah, comes too much. What's the number? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. So, you think 14 million is a, is a, is as high as the Cowboys would go? I think that's a little higher than they want to go. Really, um, but when you get in that area. And and you think okay, this is going to close the deal, um, you know maybe th- th- to me this is where you play around a little bit with incentives or, um, and Dallas has done that on two contracts bringing guys back with Jason Witten and Sean Lee where it's incentives based on, you know, forty forty six man roster, fifty three man roster playing time, uh, you know receptions all you know tackle all this stuff. Um, you could you could put in like a a very low bar on turnovers or something um, on Thomas where it would be well if you get you know two you know two turnovers or whatever you get an extra five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars where where technically maybe it wouldn't go on initially on what the number is but he's going to say yeah. of course I'm going to get that now now the problem you get into there is that. I'm not sure that Earl would take that because he would say, look, you've seen I've been the best safety in the league for nine years. Don't, why are you putting me through that? Yeah, you know, you know right. who I am, pay me up front, 
Um, this is the player I am. So Earl would have to accept it. But but I, I, I think at this point, the only way he would get up around $14 million is if he would be willing to take some incentives built into the contract. Yeah. And this is where I don't, I, I don't know how adamant Earl Thomas is in I have to be the highest paid safety because I am the best safety. Mm-hmm. Does he still believe that's what he wanted 24 hours ago? My belief is people usually, if they're adamant about that, they don't change their mind in 24, 48 hours. That right. takes a little bit longer. Yeah. So did, how much did he make in his last year with, with Seattle? Well, I think it was, well, again, he signed earlier, but and he got the money up front. But I think it was 9.5, 9.8, really? something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, Eric Berry went by, and he was averaging $12 million a year, and that was, the, that was the new benchmark. But now two players have surpassed Eric Berry yeah. yesterday. And, again, all this is very interesting because, you know, last year – Safety sat on the market forever, right? And didn't get the money, and, and uh, so which is why it's been a little surprising. The market has been so active at safety early this year, and that Earl Thomas hasn't been one of the ones to go. Well, you know uh, the NFL undervalues safeties. We know that they sure. don't in, in the draft. You know, uh, if you you don't take generally speaking, you don't take safeties high. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and I think that that's a mistake. You know, I, I think you you have to look. You, you can never make a pronouncement that, oh, we don't take a position high. No, let's, let's look at the player. Mm-hmm. What kind of player is he? All right, I'm having another senior moment here. The Florida State safety that, that uh, last year was drafted by the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, and I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Had an unbelievable was season. San Diego, yeah. Yeah. Was outstanding. And, yeah. And, uh, and then he, but he dropped. Mm-hmm. You know, he dropped. He was supposed to go in the top ten. Tampa Bay was supposed to take him. Did not. Did not go to Tampa Bay. Came up and it was almost came into the range of the Cowboys when they took Leighton Vander Esch. Mm-hmm. And apparently, that's who they wanted all along, and so they weren't going to make a deal to trade up to get him. Yeah. Uh, but that was he was a he was a difference maker. You mm-hmm. know, if a guy's to me, this is what this is what Rick Goslin, our old pal, told me one time. Because I asked him about that in the Roy Tom, uh, in the Roy Williams draft, uh, the the real Roy Williams, not the, the, not, the real Roy Williams, not, not the wide receiver. <laughs> nah, listen, I loved Roy Williams, the wide receiver. He was a great guy, uh, very interesting guy. But um, but Roy Williams, the safety from Oklahoma, and I said, is it too high to take him at? Uh, I believe he went seven somewhere around there. Is is it too high to take him there? And he said, do you think he's going to be a Pro Bowl player? And I said, "Yeah, I think he would be." And he goes, well, "Then it's not too high." Mm-hmm. He said, "If you think if, if a guy's going to be, a, that's what you got to get in the first round as a Pro Bowl player." Yeah. And, and that's to me, that's a great point. So I think to to, to your question, uh, your point about that uh, is, I I think that teams are realizing maybe this is this is more viable than we than we think it is. Well, and again, the the game changes, and you know your 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 hot spots are. Quarterback, left tackle, yeah, and receiver on offensive side on the ball on offense on defense. It's pass rusher, uh, shutdown corner, and then everything kind of like falls in after that. And now you're even seeing defensive tackles. But but again, the game changes because you know what, defensive tackles were just run stoppers, and now some of your best pass rushers and most disruptive guys in the league, like Aaron Donald, are interior guys. Oh, absolutely. So it changes, and and I think what there's an acknowledgement now that, well, you know what, a really outstanding free safety is going to get you turnovers, and mm-hmm. that is what you want. That is, you want, you know, it's not just enough to have pressure. You have to have someone at linebacker or corner or safety who can then come up with the ball. 
And that has been Dallas's issue. They don't have anyone who can come up with the ball. And uh, a, a free safety who can read the situation, um, understand defenses, and put himself in a spot to make plays is, I would argue, in some ways more valuable than a second corner, you know, or, or maybe even a first corner if your first corner is good enough. So, um, so I think teams are coming around to that. It's more about, okay, the game is changing, so you know what? Maybe now, as wide open as the game is, and it's all about matchups, maybe free safeties are a little more valuable because they read, they're in, in essence, the you know defensive quarterback who read the situation and, and put themselves in position to make plays. So uh, I think you're seeing a, a, a grudging uh, acknowledgement that, well, you know, safeties are probably a little more valuable than we thought. But but historically, you know, safety, just like tight ends on offense, mm-hmm. have, have been positions that have been underappreciated. But changes in the game are, are doing that because you're going to see, you know, I think there are only eight tight ends in the Hall of Fame at the moment. Well, that's going to change uh, yeah. pretty quickly yeah. here coming up with your Gronkowskis and, uh, you know, your, your – you Jason Witten. Yeah, yeah. And uh, – uh, and I think you'll see the same safety as well. Derwin James yeah, was the same from Florida State. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. Florida State, and and uh, and I don't I don't doubt that Derwin James might have changed people's mind. Who, who would have thought a rookie could come in and have the impact that he did? Yeah. at that position. You know, when you have a really athletic guy back there, as you said, really smart, uh, uh, forces turnovers, that that type of thing takes advantage of things. I don't know why you wouldn't. I, yeah, I, when you have one of the best athletes on the field, who an offense can't take out of the play i mean it's like you know a, a top corner again and shut down corners are, are valuable but um okay if you put them on like the other team's best receiver well, well that d- team says it just concedes that matchup well that yes that does help the defense but then basically that guy your your best defensive player is out of every play, a right. team's just going to go the other direction and, and, and avoid him. Which is what so, happened to Byron Jones a lot last yeah, year. Yeah, it did. Uh, and again, there's a value in that, and it, and it limits offensive options, and, and it lets the defense know, okay, they're going to go over here, they're going to do this. So, so it makes them easier to defend. I'm not taking away the value of that. But how much greater is the value of someone who you can't do that to. Right. And you can't do that to a free safety. No. Because you don't know where that person's going to be, and he's reading the situation and reacting. And so you have no control over taking a free safety out. Or it's harder to take a free safety out of the mix. Absolutely. You can take a corner out. You can take a defensive end out. You can take a linebacker out, although that's a little harder based on how you do it. Mm-hmm. But, but you can eliminate a guy, but it's more difficult to eliminate a free safety. And I think – um, again, I think it's just how games evolve. I, I think more and more defenses are looking at that, and I, I think you're going to see more and more outstanding athletes at the free safety position that give you the latitude uh, to, to take your defense from good to the next level. Yeah. All right, so this has been our Earl Thomas podcast, uh, and uh, we, we hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, we're, we're limiting it to that one, but it's a pretty good topic. At the moment, unless – and we'll, like I said, I, I'm convinced we'll know here in the next 48, 72 hours. Yeah. This will be, and if it's, and if it's not resolved, that says something as well. Yeah, I'll say. And if Earl Thomas is not anywhere within the next 48 to 72 hours, then 
you can argue the odds that he winds up in Dallas increase even more, oh, even yeah. though they have not happened. I at would that think point. so too. All right, so that's our our Cowboys podcast, and as we've already done a uh, a Mavericks podcast with Brad Townsend, we got another one coming up for you. Though we got our Rangers with Evan Grant from Surprise, and so we're gonna have one until we have that one. We'll see you and uh, come back and see us again. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.